This morning, we're continuing our Pillars of the Reformation sermon series. In this series, we're looking at five different pillars of our, pillars of our faith, key things that give a foundation to what we believe. This morning, we'll be reflecting on Scripture alone, and we'll be guided in that reflection by these verses from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 to verse 17. Let's read. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." This is God's word for us gathered here this morning. The sermon this morning is going to focus on how the Bible is a unique and useful book. And we'll do that with three points. First, through the Bible, God accommodates himself to us. Second, through the Bible, God himself speaks to us. And third, through the Bible, God transforms us. So our first point is that through the Bible, God accommodates himself to us. And I know that word accommodate isn't the smoothest word there, but what I'm getting at is through the Bible. Through the Bible, God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. Through the Bible, God gives us something that we can really hold on to, that we can grasp. Through the Bible, God comes down and speaks to us. Frank and Lillian Gilbreth were experts in the field of motion efficiency in the 20th century. They'd go to factories, other places, and figure out how they could get more productivity, more efficiency, more whatever. They were very good at it. They also had 12 children, and a couple of their children wrote a book about the family story called Cheaper by the Dozen. And when they had their first child, Frank, motion efficiency expert, he was convinced that the reason that babies begin talking baby talk, that they begin babbling, is that their parents speak baby talk to them. So he always spoke to their first child, their daughter Anne, as you would speak to an adult. So dinnertime conversation might go like, my dear baby daughter, if you look at this chart here, you'll see that we can increase the efficiency and workflow of this section of the factory by 56% according to figure seven if we modify it according to these parameters. Seriously, that's how he talked to his baby daughter. And he wanted everyone else to do that too. Drove his wife crazy. But one night, his wife Lillian sort of kind of woke up because she heard some noise going on. And as she was laying there with her eyes closed, she heard Frank talking to their daughter. And this is about how the conversation was going. Oh, cutie wooty little baby. Oh, I love you. Oh, who's daddy little girl? Cutie wooty baby. And Lillian, as a wise wife, laid there for a couple minutes to make sure she had a good long run of this. And then she sort of yawned and sat up and looked over at Frank and said, Frank, what is it that you're saying to the baby? An awkward pause ensued. And all of a sudden, all the rules about how to talk to babies at their household just went right out the window. Now, God doesn't exactly talk to us in baby talk, but he does accommodate himself to our understanding. He doesn't talk way up here at some level that we can't understand, and he doesn't stay way up there in some way that we can't get to him. He comes down to us. He comes down and accommodates himself to us. And he gives us the Bible. He gives us this book as a gift that we can hang on to and that helps us to understand him better. And this actually has been a pretty controversial thing at times. You wouldn't think so, 
But it has been. One of the big controversies in the 20th century over the Bible was kicked off by Karl Barth, who probably was the most famous theologian of the 20th century. And he had this high and exalted view of God. God was way up there, and God was great, and God was powerful, and God was amazing. But Barth could not stand. He could not stand the idea that God would lower himself to just give us this book that would always be his word. He couldn't stand the... How could we dare? How could we dare as believers in this high, almighty, transcendent God dare to say that God actually gave us his word? That God actually tied himself to us? That he made promises and gave it to us in writing that this is who he would be for us? How could we dare to tie God down like that? And yet what the Bible shows us and what the Bible tells us is that our high, almighty, all-powerful God who is far beyond us, what he has done for us is he has come down. Most of all, he came down in Jesus Christ, but also he came down and accommodated himself to us in this book. From the time we're infants even, we can get to know who God really is through this book. As we hear these Bible stories over the years, they introduce us to who the Lord really is. Our first couple verses that we read for today talk about how from his very infancy, Timothy had grown up in the Scriptures. From the time he was a baby, he had heard God's Word read, proclaimed, taught to him. And so Timothy and all of us are urged to, to continue on what we've learned and become convinced of through these scriptures that God has given us. From the very beginning, for some of us, even since we were babies, we have heard God's word spoken to us through the Bible in a way that lets us know who God really is. This book is a gift to us from the Lord through which he accommodates himself to us. And there's another layer of that I want to dig into with our second point. We've said that God accommodates himself to us through the Bible. But then in our day and age, we need to very clearly say that it is God himself who speaks to us through the Bible. Through the Bible, God himself speaks to us. Now, I know that sounds cliche in our circles, but it's actually a really profound statement. You may have heard the old story of the blindfolded men and the elephant, and that came up as I was thinking about this sermon this week. And in this story, there's a bunch of blind men who are walking along together, and they bump into an elephant. And they all bump into different parts of the elephant, and they start describing to each other what they've encountered. And one guy grabs hold of the elephant's tail, and he says, huh, it's a rope. We found a rope. The next guy over has bumped into the elephant's back leg, so he starts feeling up and down. He says, oh, it's a tree trunk. We've hit a tree. The guy a little bit further over has run into the elephant's side and he starts feeling around and there's this big wall in front of him. So, hey, we found a wall. The guy a little bit further along has bumped into the tusk of the elephant. So, feels around. Oh, wow, we found this big long spear in our way in the road. It's an old familiar story. You've probably heard it before. And as the story goes, it's often used to emphasize that all of us only see from a limited perspective. All of us just have this little slice of reality that we see. We don't see the whole picture. We think we're hitting a wall when we're really hitting an elephant and so on and so forth. And then the lesson is that we shouldn't be so arrogant. We shouldn't be so arrogant as to claim that we have the whole truth because we just see part of the elephant. 
We need, to, we need to back off our truth claims and listen to other people. And there's some helpful parts to that. We do, we do need humility. We do need to listen to other people. We do need to recognize that all of us human beings see from a limited, limited perspective. But something I've always wondered about with that story and the twist that I heard in it this week is what does the elephant think of all this? You know, you're an innocent elephant just standing there and these guys walk up to you and they start yanking on your tail and poking your legs and tickling your side and yanking you around. And what elephant is going to stand there and take that? I mean, seriously, if I was that elephant, pretty quickly, those guys would know that what they were encountering was not a wall, but an elephant. They would figure it out. And so when we apply that story, when we apply that parable to ultimate reality, to the truth about God, We need to ask this question. What if the elephant speaks? What if the elephant acts? What if ultimate reality is not something we just kind of stumble to and kind of try to figure out, but what if if ultimate reality speaks to us? What if the elephant says, hey, that's not a rope, that's my tail, let go. What if the elephant says, you're not hitting a wall, you're hitting me? What if the elephant says, that tree trunk is about to move, so watch your toes, buddy? What if the elephant speaks? As Christians, we aren't committed to the claim that we're better than everybody else. As Christians, we don't say somehow we, with our own intelligence and abilities, we have figured out what ultimate reality is. That's not what we say as Christians. But the question we ask is has God spoken to us? Has God revealed himself? Has God come and made himself known? And as believers, our answer to that question is most emphatically yes. Yes, God has come and he has made himself known. God himself has spoken to us and he continues to speak to us through the scriptures, through this book. God himself speaks to us. And so we don't claim that we're better than other people, that we somehow are smarter or clever or whatever. We claim that God has spoken. And so we listen to him. And that's what that word God breathed here in 2 Timothy is getting after. Sometimes people use the word inspired, that the Bible is inspired to get at the same idea. God has brought this book into being. He inspired it. Now, there's been times that people wanted to translate that word more like inspiring, like the Bible is a great inspiring work of art, or it's inspirational literature like other inspirational literature. But that gets this verse totally backwards. What 2 Timothy is saying to us is that God himself breathed out the very words of scripture god himself brought this book into being now we believe that he worked with fully engaged human authors it's not like this book just dropped down from heaven complete one day in whatever version you happen to like best the book has a history to it but when we read the scriptures we are hearing god himself in his word That word God breathed gets back to the idea of God's speech, of God's breath as he speaks these words to us. And the phrase all scripture is God breathed should get get us to have the idea 
that all of this book, every bit of it comes to us from God. This is a unique book, unlike any other book that has ever been written. And just like it's a unique book, it's a useful book. Sometimes when we talk about the Bible and how we understand the Bible, we just leave it kind of up here at the head level, that this is a unique and special book, and so we need to pay special attention to it. And we need to hear that. And we need to hear it very clearly. God himself speaks to us through this book. But just like it's a unique book, it's a useful book. China cabinets aren't as possible or aren't as popular as they used to be, but you've probably, most or all of you, seen china cabinets. And you almost have to say grandma's china cabinet because that's often where you see them. And all the nice china, all the nice stuff is neatly laid out in there behind the glass doors. And heaven help, heaven help even the favorite grandchild if they open that up and take it out and start to make use of the nice china, right? It's there for display. It's not there for use. Sometimes we treat the Bible a bit that way. We have this nice Bible up there on the shelf, but, but don't mess with it. We leave it too much out there. But 2 Timothy tells us that God's Word is useful. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteousness. And basically what's that, what that's saying is that the Bible is useful for God to change our minds and our lives. And that leads us to our third point for today. Through the Bible, through the Bible, God transforms us. Because the Bible is God's word, it transforms us. The Lord uses his useful word to transform us. I once heard an evangelist called Bill Fay tell his life story. And for many years, Bill had been a very corrupt businessman. He embezzled all kinds of money from his corporations, and he was in charge of several. He ran prostitution rings. He bought off police officers and politicians. Just about anything bad you can think of, he did. And he enjoyed it. He was good with it. He thought he actually was providing some good public services. Pretty, pretty twisted around at that point, but pretty content with his life. But one thing he always did. Whenever he would stay in a hotel, and this was a number of years ago, whenever he would stay in a hotel, he would scout out where the Bible was that the Gideons had left there. Wherever it was, he would find it, and he would sneak up on it, and he would pick it up carefully, and he would carry it across the room to where there was a drawer, and he would slide the drawer open without looking, throw the Bible in, throw the telephone book, slam the thing, and run away. Because he'd heard that if you left the Bible laying around, if you left the Bible laying around or you, you opened it up, things would jump out at you. And he didn't want that. He was happy with his life. He didn't want, you know, he'd had some friends who happened to flip open a Gideon's Bible or some other Bible one day, and all of a sudden, their lives were different. They were on the straight and narrow. They didn't have any fun anymore. They didn't want to help him steal stuff. So, so he kept the Bible closed away in that drawer with a phone book on top of it and stayed away from it. But then one day, his whole life fell apart. All the criminal activities, all the things he'd been up to came to light. He was front page news. He was in trouble. And as he was sitting there one day thinking, you know, I bet the police are going to show up pretty soon and I'm going to be on my way to jail. Well, he opened up a Bible. And the thing that he'd been scared of for years happened to him. He opened up the Bible and stuff jumped out at him. 
a couple verses really hit home. He realized that the life that he thought was so wonderful and amazing was really pretty, pretty awful. He realized that a lot of the things he'd been doing that he thought were just great were really not right. He realized how empty he really was inside, and so he gave his life to Jesus, and everything changed. Somehow, somehow all the charges against him got providentially dropped. The prosecutor really messed up in a way the judge said he had never seen before, and he threw out all the charges. And so Bill just walked away from it all. He went to Bible school, and he became a full-time pastor and evangelist for the rest of his life because God's word jumped out and got hold of him. God uses his word in powerful and profound ways. He uses it to transform what we think and what we believe. And by the way, that's kind of a dramatic story, right? That's one of those, wow, what a conversion story. And I think most of us here don't have that kind of story. I think most of us here, not all certainly, but many, most of us here have a story that from our childhood, we grew up around the Bible. We heard the Bible stories. We knew the Bible. People told us these things over and over and over. And sometimes we feel like, well, God hasn't really transformed my life. I've just kind of always been this way. Okay, maybe you don't have a dramatic story. But God then has been working on you since, since you were little. God is so faithful and he cares so much about you that he has been working his word into your life from the very beginning. And the fact that you have, as far as you can remember, always belonged to Jesus is just one more evidence of God's faithfulness. It's one more evidence of the reality that the Lord has worked through his word, not just in us as individuals, but in us as his people, generation after generation after generation God is faithful. God makes use of the Bible, and he makes use of the Bible to transform what we think and what we believe and how we live. The Bible is a record of how God has worked to save us. Sometimes we approach the Bible as if it's just one long to-do list. You have to do this and this and this, and then God will be happy. Sometimes we flip open the Bible just to find an inspirational quote, a verse to get us through today. Just, I need a little help. God, give me a little boost. And neither of those are terrible things, but they aren't really the heart of the Bible's message. The heart of the Bible's message is not, here's a little comfort for today, or, you know, be a little better. The heart of the Bible's message is that God loves us. The heart of the Bible's message is that God has been at work for so long. God has been at work in so many ways. There is this whole story of God working to save his people. And in this book, we have that story given to us. This book tells us who God is. It tells us who we are, where we've been, and where we're going. It gives us a compass for our lives. It transforms our identity. It tells us what God thinks of us and what he's done to make us better, to heal us. And it's only in the Bible that we really hear from God in that particular way. The scriptures, more than any other book, make us wise for salvation 
in Christ Jesus. And that's why we talk about Scripture alone, because Scripture alone gives us this story in this way. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that we only read the Bible, that we burn all the rest of our books, that we don't pay attention to other things. We should listen, we really should listen to all kinds of other voices. We should listen to believers who've gone before us in the faith. And we do that through paying attention to creeds and confessions, through paying attention to what other people have found as they wrestled through the Bible. And we should listen to scholars who dig deeply into the Bible and into its ancient context, into the history of it. And we should listen to believers around the world who come to this book from from their perspective with different experiences and different things that they pick up that we don't see. And then they, of course, should listen to some things that we pick up that they don't see. We should have all kinds of conversations about our faith and about the world. But in those conversations, in those conversations, Scripture needs to have the loudest voice. We pay attention to all kinds of things. We listen to other people. We listen to scholarship, all kinds of things. But Scripture alone has the loudest voice. God speaks to us in a unique way through this book, and so we listen. And God's speech, it it transforms us. It makes us different. The Bible teaches our heads, and sometimes the Bible rebukes and corrects us we may be going some way that we think is great and the bible says nope you got to get on a different path the way you're going isn't the right way to go we're headed one direction and scripture turns us around and gets us headed in the right direction and scripture helps us to be trained in righteousness if you're really going to grow in any endeavor in sports in music in the arts in scholarship in anything you're going to need to be trained You're going to need to keep coming back to the basics and get reshaped and retrained and keep working and working and working. And the Lord uses his Bible as one of the great means to transform us, to work his grace out into all the areas of our lives. And as we, over the days, the years, the decades, as we soak ourselves more and more in God's word, he works in us to make us more and more who he wants us to be. Through the scriptures, other means too, but especially through the scriptures, God transforms us to be who he wants us to be. The scriptures get us off wrong paths. They move us to greater faithfulness. They train us in how God intends us to live. The Bible helps us to endure suffering, to practice discernment, to better love God and love our neighbors, to be truly at peace In this difficult world, the Lord uses his scripture to train us in so many ways. He works in us powerfully through this unique, useful book. All the scriptures, the whole Bible is God-breathed and useful. This book makes us wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And may we always thank God for all his gifts to us.